You likely have different things in your house that correspond with different events. You'll wear a nice outfit for a fancy outing or set out the good china for an important dinner. You wouldn't use those for doing yard work or entertaining young children, though. In the same way, Pastor Daniel will remind you today that you're special to the Lord. You're set apart to do a unique work for the kingdom, and God wants you to live this way always. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Exodus chapter 28 as he begins his message, Consecration. off with just about 12 verses left in, in Exodus 28. And we're looking now, remember, we're in this series called Tabernacle. It's our last series that we're doing in the book of Exodus. And the focus now is on that portable worship tent that God has ordained for the children of Israel. This was the precursor to what later became the temple. But the whole thing was designed so that as the children of Israel, as they moved through the wilderness until they got settled, they had a a place and a way to worship the Lord. And so in the beginning of chapter 28, we're looking at the gear, the, the style, the fashion of the priests. We focused on the ephod and then the breastplate. So the the ephod, it, it looks like that striped colored, almost like the apron. So there's all the discussion about that. And then, of course, we see the breastplate with the different stones on it. So the idea of this was, and we're going to see today the um, the tunic, which is the undergarment, the sash, which is the belt. We're going to see the turban, or because I just like it, I call it the headgear. Just because I, I think they should bring that. You guys don't think that's funny? I, I think headgear, yeah. So, but the idea of this is... These robes were meant to delineate that this was an authority in that culture. And with those, that breastplate with the names of the 12 tribes on it. Remember, there was also two onyx stones, one on each shoulder. And each one had six names on it. The idea was is that the high priest is, is bearing the people before God. The job of the high priest was to stand in the place of the people before God. And so all of these things are representative of the totality of the children of Israel. So we're going to look at a lot of the other things tonight. And if you were here last week, remember, I, I, I filled you in on the, the deep insight on the Urim and the Thummim. Do you guys remember that? We, we got to it at the, at the very end there in um, verse 29 and 30. The Urim and the Thummim. And people are always saying, well, what's the Urim and the Thummim? And, and literally, in the Hebrew, it means the light and the perfection. 
And so if you were here last week, I told you exactly how that all worked. And if you weren't here last week, well, then you have to get it online. So, <laughs> no, if you were here last week, I actually made the point that nobody knows exactly how the Urim and the Thummim actually worked. Everything is totally conjecture. All we know is that these two stones were used in some way to be able to seek God and understand his will. But nobody actually knows how it used, how it's technically used, how it actually happened. Some people say they would ask a question and one would light up. All of it is conjecture. Nobody actually knows. And for me, for about 12 years, I've been reading rabbinical writings, trying to see if they have any good insights. And they have about as many ideas about how it worked as everybody else does. So... The Urim and the Thummim, if you get, when you get to heaven, if it even matters at that juncture, you could ask the Almighty, say, hey, how did that all work? But nobody really knows how it really worked. But they were there as part of this breastplate that was an adorning piece of fashion that they used, but it was meant to bear the people before God. So we pick up now in verse 31, look what it says of Exodus chapter 28, the second book in your Bible. It says, you shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue. There shall be an opening for his head in the middle of it, and it shall be woven, binding all around its opening, like the opening in a coat of mail, so that it does not tear. And upon its hem you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet all around them, and bells of gold between them all around, a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe all around it. It shall be upon Aaron when he ministers, and its sound will be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out, that he may not die. So now this now is the robe which... It's the overarching robe that's underneath the ephod. Notice it's made of one piece. It has an opening for its head and it's woven and it's binded around the opening. So the idea here is that where it would go on, it was woven so that it would not tear. This was meant to be a sacred garment. Not only is it woven so that it doesn't tear, but notice around the edges, there's meant to be this decorative pomegranates of different colors interspersed with bells. And so the idea is, is when the priest was moving around the holy place or when he was inside the holy of holies, or if he would go into the outer court, you always knew where the priest was. In some ways, it'd be like the priest's own entrance music. So if, if you watch movies, every character normally has some sort of a soundtrack to it. So it, for those of you who like Star Wars, you know, every time Darth Vader's around, you kind of know it before he shows up. Because you hear the music and then you hear the, and you know Darth Vader's on the way in. So it's interesting. For those of you who like film, it's one of the ways that they design films with that different characters have different music that adds to the mood of it. So um, it's interesting if you like the movie Braveheart, of course, William Wallace's wife, Marin, she had a very specific melody. And every time she's going to come on the screen, you can hear the melody. So you go back and you watch all your movies now and you realize that those composers are pretty smart. And in a lot of ways, that's these, this bell jingling for the priest meant to tell people the priest is in the house, so to speak. He's here. Now, what's interesting is that the priest went into the Holy of Holies one time a year. That place behind the veil. So remember, you have the outer courts, 
which has the, the altar of sacrifice and the bronze laver, which we're going to learn about next week. Then you go into the tent, and only the priests went into the tent. There was the table of showbread on one side. There was the candlestick on the other side. And then there was the altar of incense in the middle. Then there was the veil. And then inside the veil, there was no light. There was just the Ark of the Covenant with its mercy seat covering. And once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the holiest day of the year, the high priest would go in to the Holy of Holies and offer a blood sacrifice for himself and for the people. Now, what's interesting is because only the high priest was allowed in the Holy of Holies one time a year, it became common practice for them to put a rope around his ankle that when he would go into the Holy of Holies, the priests who were in the holy place would actually hear him walking around because of the bells on the hem of his garment. But if the priest did not do things properly, if the priest was not honoring his position, there are folklore tales of priests dying in the Holy of Holies. And the problem was is that if the priest died in the Holy of Holies, they couldn't get him out. So they would actually put a rope around his ankle, and if they died, they could pull him out if all of a sudden they stopped hearing the, the bells going. So it's a, it's a fascinating study, but that's why they're there. The idea is that the, we should know when the priests are around. Now, of course, I'm going to make an application to that because I have to. How, how do you not? Right? Each one of us is called to be a, a priest of the Most High God. That's what First Peter tells us. That's why the Bible says that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're a saint. A saint is not like an all-star team of the greatest Christians. A saint is any person who's put their faith and trust in Jesus. It means someone who has been set apart, someone who has been made holy. And Jesus said, because he's the light of the world, we're called to be the light of the world. We're called to be the salt of the earth, which is a preserving agent. And when we show up, we should change the spiritual climate of everywhere that we are. So us being there in any circumstance, on our job, in our neighborhood, around our family and around our friends, should have an impact. There should be a bell that goes off that like, hey, something's different. Now, what that means is I don't believe that we do well by the Lord to get on top of everybody for being ungodly when they don't even believe in Jesus. So like just because someone cusses doesn't mean like, well, you shouldn't cuss, you know. But there's nothing more beautiful that when somebody cusses and they realize that you're following Jesus, like, look, I really shouldn't talk that way. And you're not making them change. They're just saying, hey, because you're here, I want to act a little bit different. I want to act a little bit different. And it's really, you know, I have a, a fun story with this, not to pat myself on the back, but I remember when I was, I had a very good friend and, and man, I was trying to get this girl to get saved. And this was before I realized that I couldn't save anybody. Jesus saves people. I just figured I'd just make them so nuts that they just submit to Jesus and then I'd be off the hook. And so I remember I'd come back from church and, and, and we would hang out and we would have dinner. And, and, and I remember one day we were just talking. I was just so excited about who, you know, what the Lord was doing in my life. And I remember she was chopping carrots, you know, because we were making a stir fry and she was chopping and all of a sudden she started chopping harder and harder and harder. And I'm just like, are you okay? You're going to break that knife. She's like, I'm so tired of you. I'm like, oh, really? She's like, you know, you just, you come home from church, you're so happy, you know? And I don't want to curse when you're around. And and I'm just, I'm just so, I just want to stab you. (laughs) 
And I was just like, yeah, man, you sent me to meet Jesus. Let's do it. And, she, you know, it's like real smart, you know. And she's like, I'm just, I'm tired of this. He threw the knife down. And praise God, she gave her life to the Lord about four months later. She's actually my sister-in-law now. How cool is that? She married, she married my wife's brother. It's super cool, you know. But that's us being salt and light. Is that when, when people want to be different just because we're there. Because we have a preserving agent in the world. And so, so the priest, every time you, sh- you can imagine, imagine you're just average Joe Israeli guy or gal, you know, and you go to the temple or, or the tabernacle, you just want to worship. And all of a sudden you hear those, those bells going off. And all of a sudden you're like, oh. it's, it's like in school and the principal shows up, you know what I mean? Oh, the principal's here, you know? The priest, you'd hear him coming, you'd hear the bells going off. And all of a sudden, like, oh, the priest is here. And everybody changes. Because the, the real spiritual person's in the room. So that's a, that's a beautiful picture that God, it wasn't silent. People knew that the high priest was coming. And so there is these decorative pomegranates, almost like blossoms interspersed with bells. Now, in verse 36, we move to the headgear portion. You shall also make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet, verse 36, holiness to the Lord, and you shall put it on a blue cord, and it may be on the turban. It shall be on the front of the turban. So it shall be on Aaron's forehead, that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things, which the children of Israel hallow in all their holy gifts. And it shall always be on his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. Now, what's interesting is that the same root in these verses comes up over and over again. That word holy, in verse 38, it comes up over and over again. Hallow is the same root. They're holy gifts. It's a redundancy that the priest would have a gold plate. So he'd have a, like a white turban and there'd be a blue cord with a gold plate that said holiness to the Lord. And the idea is, again, as the priest is set apart to be the mediator between God and the people, there is this sign on his head that says, these people are holiness to the Lord. Now, that word holiness, it means to be set apart, to be distinct. I like to use the example, and if you've been here for a while, you've heard it before, the example is like if you're one of those people who have fine china, Fine china is not the dishware that you bring out for your six-year-old little boy's party. You don't use it for that. Why? Because it's expensive and six-year-old little boys like to break things. So you set that apart for very specific times and you bring out the paper plates for the dudes. You know what I mean? So, so the china is set apart. It means it's holy. It's distinct. It's not normal flatware. It's for special occasions. That's the way God looks at the people of God. Again, in First Peter, not only are we a kingdom of priests, but we're a holy nation, a holy congregation. The idea is that you and I are not normal. We're not trite. We've been set apart for a specific thing. And I believe that a lot of our growth as Christians is tied to understanding that we are not just paper plates. We are not common, just disposable. 
Our culture may tell us that we are just normal and disposable. But God says, I loved you so much, I sent my own son to die in your place that you may be my own. You are not common. You are not normal. You are set apart for the master's use. That's what being holy means. And the reason we don't do a lot of things that other people feel very normal about doing is because we realize that we are not paper plates. I think this is one of the things we need to teach our young ladies. We need to teach them that our culture objectifies them. Every single advertisement objectifies them to be superficial, beautiful from the face out. But God has something better for you. You're not just disposable for some guy who says the right things. You're not useless. You're not just, oh, just another cute chick. No, you're not that. You've been bought at a price by God, set apart, and you value yourself more than the culture values you. And I believe we need to teach men the same thing, that listen, you are not just here just to to make a living and be an expert at flicking the channels. That's not why you're here. You're here to be a man of God, set apart for the things of God. That we are of more value than just a career or a livelihood. We're of more value than that. We have to realize that we have been set apart as holy to the Lord. And maybe we used to do that, but now we realize that we are not paper plates and plastic forks. But we are fine china to the Lord. And we will not allow ourselves to be involved in the common things because God has made us of much greater value than that. And that changes your, the way you value yourself, doesn't it? That changes your identity. And so it's a beautiful thing that this priest, he wears this turban and head coverings was a sign of submission in that culture, right? But they would have this gold plate, holiness to the Lord. These people are set apart. They're not like everybody else. They're unique. They're distinct. They've been set apart and declared as unique and special unto the Lord, unto God. And you can imagine every time you saw the high priest, imagine if you were just there in the tabernacle or in the temple and you saw the high priest rolls out and every time you see holiness to the Lord. What a witness. I have a friend who is studying to be an Orthodox rabbi and he he was telling me that in most of the synagogues up over the altar, there's a sign that says, know before whom you stand. And I thought to myself, man, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? I mean, imagine if we lived our lives in that way. That we lived our lives as, hey, we stand before the true and living God at every juncture. We stand before him. And that's what that plate is all about. The people are constantly being reminded, I'm holiness unto the Lord. And the priest is constantly being reminded that I represent a special people set apart for God. And for God's special purposes. God's special purpose. The theme of the book of Leviticus, the next book we're going to read is, Be holy as the Lord your God is holy. That's the most common line in the book of Leviticus. The book is all about God's holiness, his distinctness, his otherness. And that's right there, right there on the headgear. Now, verse 39 The tunic, which is the complete undergarment. You shall skillfully weave the tunic of fine linen thread. You shall make the turban of fine linen 
and you shall make the sash of woven work. Now it's interesting. You notice that every single piece of gear is made of fine linen. It's all cotton. Why? Because the priests were not supposed to sweat before the Lord. Don't miss that. There's no fleece. There's no wool. Why? Because we do not work for our salvation. It's a gift. And we have to be careful not to be like, I've served the Lord so hard, I'm tired. No, 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 no. We rest in the Lord. And we serve him because of his grace. The undergarment was fine linen. It was meant to be, to breathe. Why? Because no one's supposed to be sweating in the presence of God. Because we're saved by grace apart from works. Now, in verses 40 to 43, we get all of the accessories. So, you know, if you think about this from a fashion point, this is the accessorizing moment here. It says, for Aaron's sons shall make tunics and you shall make sashes for them and you shall make hats for them for glory and beauty. So you shall put on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him, you shall anoint them, consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister to me as priests, and you shall make for them linen trousers to cover their nakedness. They shall reach from the waist to the thighs. They shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they come into the tabernacle of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place that they do not incur iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever to him and his descendants after him. Now, not only is the gear for the high priest, but also all of Aaron's sons who were high priests and waiting, part of that priestly family. So they're all going to be done in tunics, sashes, so like the belts, hats, those turbans. They're for beauty and for glory. And we talked about that last week. Notice it says, you shall put them on Aaron, verse 41, your brother, and on his sons with them. You shall anoint them, consecrate them, sanctify them, that they may minister to me as priests. Now, notice those four. There's a four-step process for them. You shall anoint them, you shall consecrate them, you shall sanctify them, that they may minister to me. So first the anointing, the application of the anointing oil on their head. So the first step in being set apart to be a priest is the anointing of them. And when you think of that oil, that oil is a picture of what? The Holy Spirit. You cannot be a priest of the Most High God if you are not born again. And if you are born again, if you said, look, I not only was born physically, I've been reborn spiritually by the power of God because of the finished work of Jesus, and now the Spirit of God dwells in me. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel described the rest of Aaron's clothing, from the undergarments to the bells on the hem of his robe. This detailed attire set the priest apart from the rest of Israel, reminding them of the important and solemn tasks God had given him. As a child of God, you too are set apart. You need to stand out from the world around you as you take on the role your Heavenly Father has given you. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here to tell you about my book, Upward, Inward, and Outward. 
You've heard me talk about these three directions for living again and again on Jesus Is Real Radio, and I think they're so important. I wanted to write a book to explain even more. Upward, Inward, and Outward teaches you the importance of developing a right relationship with God and how that teaches you to love yourself well. From those two healthy relationships can spring a well of love for people around you, and that's what transforms our world. Find out more and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will be describing wardrobe, mannerisms, and consecration of the priests, giving you reasons for each element. God wanted these men set aside to do His work, serving the people by serving Him in the tabernacle. This is how your focus on ministry should be too. Do what you're doing for God, not for people. You don't need their applause, only God's. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Tabernacle. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.